0: It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars... Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death.
1: And Lord, it is that day that we look forward to those in Christ, to where we are going to be in a new place with you. And uh, as we open your word right now and learn more about you and who you are and what you're doing, and Lord, we just... Uh, Are grateful. You're at work, and we don't deserve it, but you are. So we rejoice. Hallelujah. In Christ's name, amen. Well, grab your seat, grab your Bible, and turn to Revelation chapter 21. By the way, Revelation chapter 21. You have no idea. You have no idea how excited I am to be in Revelation chapter 21 for multiple reasons, but we made it. We're there. Uh, By the way, including today, uh, we have four more stops, and we're going to be done with our bus tour through the land of Revelation. Uh, We will be finished with the book of Revelation. What we're going to be doing is uh, Pastor Nate is going to be bringing us God's Word next Sunday. Uh, That's a cool thing, isn't it? And uh, then we're going to be picking back up in Revelation. We're going to be having the three Sundays before Christmas In Revelation 21 and 22, and we're doing it that way because kind of the way our series unfolds, but because uh, the one who came in the manger, uh, the one who is coming again is also the one who is making all of what we're about to read possible. And uh, so the manger scene is not just the cute little precious moments kind of manger scene. It is a grandiose eternal deal, and uh, we're there, and so we're going to carry it all the way through Christmas. Uh, he entered our playing field that we might know a new eternal with. And uh, that's what we're going to be keying in on here. Well, we have uh, if you're just joining us, we've been walking through the book of Revelation for some time now. We've seen and heard through uh, the Apostle John's eyes and ears here a whole lot of amazing and some really heavy things as well through the process. In fact, taking a look here at these last two chapters, uh, Revelation 19, we we heard uh, from John. He's hearing the great multitude in heaven crying out. Text tells us just like we just sang, and they're crying out, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true." It begins with, and then that's followed by the twenty-four presbyters, the living ones around the throne, and or yeah, and the the four ones around the throne and they're following that up by going amen hallelujah with that in chapter 19 there he's hearing all this and also in chapter 19 we find him seeing heaven opened and that is when behold the white horse with the rider the one who came before Jesus Christ riding on the horse coming to uh, uh, war and finish out the war that has been warring on him since nearly the beginning. It tells us in 19, his eyes are like fire, he's crowned with diadems, his robe is dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And uh, he is coming. Then Revelation chapter 20, it included seeing an angel, sees and bind the dragon at the beginning, Satan, and hearing then about the thousand years and how Satan is thrown into then afterwards the lake of fire, joining the sea beast and the land beast, and the great white throne takes place, and the unredeemed, the dead, both great and the small, are standing before the great white throne, and uh, heaven and earth just are like gone, they're like, they disappear it's just it's just them before the lord In that whole scene, man, just wow, magnitude of that. And then the book and the books are brought out, and and judgment is made, and death and Hades is thrown into the lake of fire at the end of chapter 20. And uh, and along with everyone whose name is not found in the book, how sad, how sad is that? Now today we're in Revelation 21. There's more to see and hear. We're in verses 1 through 8 today, and we are going to see and hear about a new eternal with, now, there's two words for today. How many words? Two. There's two words, and the first one is new, and the second one is with. So, what are the two words? New and with. New and with. Um, super cool words. We're going to be seeing with the new, the first word we're going to begin with here. Three entities are noted as new. How many? Three of them are noted as new. Let's take a look at the text. Let's walk our way through it. God, may you just show yourself more here. He starts out, verse 1. Then, uh, then, it it means it's continued, it's carrying on, it's not... Uh, 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 something completely disrelated, it's kind of we're seeing, I think here, a chronology going on at this point from chapter 19, 20, and into 21, uh, we're seeing this then, then I saw, uh, how cool is that? John saw something, a lot of that's been going on, and he sees, it's it then this idea of continuous in addition, and this idea of seeing, which means like, he saw, <laughs> Right? That's really deep, isn't it? Okay, he saw it. By the way, one more time, important. It doesn't mean that he made it up. This isn't some guy coming up with a sci-fi story that wants to give like Aesop's fables in some crazy kind of way. If he didn't see it, John is lying. And if John is lying, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. All right? But it says here he saw this. And what does he say? The first thing we see here is a new heaven. It's new. It's a new heaven, the text tells us. By the way, look in the middle of verse 1 uh, when Josh read. It says the first heaven had passed away. Remember, that was chapter 20, verse 11. It passed away. It's like gone. It's like uh, disappeared in in this idea here. It's departed. And then uh, chapter 20, uh, verse 11 prior. Yeah, I made mention about that. We see this heaven uh, this, uh, what's called the uranos, the, the heavens, uh, uh, fled away. There's no place was found for it. It, it. it disappeared, is the idea. And John sees a new heaven. That's crazy. New. Uh, secondly, he sees a new earth. A new earth. Look in the middle of verse 1. The first earth Had passed away, it departed, it's gone. Same thing back in chapter 20, verse 11. It fled. No place is found before it. It's disappeared. Also at the end of verse 1, it says, and the sea was no more. That's interesting. So this new earth has no sea. Uh, Through the book of Revelation, and actually through the scriptures, back in the first century days, the sea was viewed as a place of chaos. And so here uh, in scripture, in Revelation, we also see the sea is a place of chaos, and and that the sea is oftentimes used in this imagery of evil and sin taking place. And so could it be that this is this is kind of a, a metaphor picture reality saying there's like no more sea, no more chaos. It's gone. Remember, the sea beast is coming out of the sea, antichrist coming out of mankind. None, No more of that. It's gone. Uh, it could mean that. Or maybe is it kind of also just bring back the remembrance of Genesis 7 and the flood. And it's like, no more of that. No more of that. Because, by the way, the flood not only brought judgment, but the flood brought separation in the nations. And no more separation. No more judgment. Uh, could it, by the way, one commentator talks about how Uh, Maybe it's even referring to this idea metaphorically that that, uh, the life source of water, we cannot live without water. And maybe it's like, time for a new life source. Because we're not going to need water to live. There's a whole new life source. I'm just putting them on the table. Uh, Honestly, it's not a massive deal to me here. But the text tells us the sea was no more, a new earth question in this uh, is talked about, is the new earth or is this a renewed earth or a replaced earth? I will tell you without question going into this study that I would have put my chips on a renewed earth. That's always been what's in my view and uh, is one of the things we've talked about is take off our preferred theological lenses in going into this. and Just in these uh, a few times where Revelation is talking about this, I do think Revelation brings this disappeared idea. And so, uh, just it's a replaced idea here, at least in Revelation, and, and uh, it uh, that's just just working with you, thinking out loud with you, learning along with you. Uh, I'm not willing to die for that. Um, if it's a replaced Earth, should we be picturing this new Earth similar to our present Earth? You know, we're interesting people. We hear the word Earth, uh, gay. In, uh, in the Greek, and we hear this word, and, and we think, well, earth, and it looks like our earth, and it's round like our earth, and it's shaped and it's sized like our earth. And, and if it's a replaced earth, if that's in case what scripture has, uh, uh, why do we have to think that way? I mean, the earth is just where we live, it's where we reside, and, and frankly. I think in it, uh, we can reside on any kind of thing. And in this new earth, maybe it's like way better. You know, we are so grounded that we have a hard time thinking beyond what is. And maybe it's like so crazy awesome that we need to like get excited about it. One of the things that's being pressed into me this week. Just tired of thinking so normal. So, the first word is new, a new heaven, new earth. And then, verse two I saw a new city, I'm calling it. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A few things about this think about it a city. A city, what's a city? A a city is not just a place on a map. A city is where people do community together. You can go live somewhere on the planet and you'd be all by yourself, (laughs) and sorry to break this to you, but you are not a city, (laughs) okay? A city is where people commune together. They do community together. This is a a new city. That's really a cool idea. Most of the time, as we think about life. Uh, the city, it says it's a holy city. It means it's, it's set apart. It also, in a text, tells us it's a New Jerusalem city. Uh, by the way, that means it's not the old Jerusalem. Um, it's a city, but it's a New Jerusalem city. And if the city, by the way, had nothing in common with the old Jerusalem city... And why would the text be using that? Well, we're going to leave this and not spend a lot of time here because, uh, here in two Sundays, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, even into chapter 22, spend the entire time talking about this city. In fact, from verse 9 through about 22, verse 3, it uses the word city 11 times. The whole conversation is about the city. And yet in it, how cool the conversation is. And so many cool things we can talk about this city. And I'll mention a couple more here that are in verse 2. But the whole deal is, is it's ultimately not about the city. There's something bigger going on with this city than the cool city. But let's finish here with the city. Notice the, the new city, it's, it's coming down. It's coming down out of heaven That's its origin. This city is coming from heaven, and this city is coming from God. This is a God-sourced city. This isn't something that you and I make. You know, man can do some amazing things. I sit in my office, and I enjoy aviation. I sit in my office, when the wind is blowing just right, uh, planes are coming in on final down uh, right this way, and I just sit, and, and I just watch. I'm a geek with that. And I just, how can something that big, that heavy, float? Bernoulli's principle, get it, but I don't get it. Okay, and in this, man can do some amazing things, but you've got to understand. Look at the galaxies. And we're like nothing. Look at the galaxies, and that's the one who sources this city. And by the way, notice it's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We saw that with the marriage supper of the Lamb, but yet I think this is using this analogy in a different bit of a way. This city is being prepared. Like a bride when the door opens and... Okay? That's usually the time when I'm doing weddings with someone and I tell the guy, because us guys, you know, we're not necessarily the smartest people on the planets and it's like don't ever forget this moment because the bride and brides there's been a lot of preparation hasn't there just for that moment and it's been prepared by the way in this I don't want to spend too much time but it just makes me think about Jesus said I'm going I'm leaving and I will prepare a place for you and by the way Jesus was a carpenter. And he gets carpentering. And, uh, oh yeah, Colossians chapter 1, he created all things. By the way, isn't that a coinky dink that the one that created everything when he came was a carpenter that created things? And by the way, in the future and right now is preparing and creating a place to bring a city for those who are in him. How very, very cool is that! Question out of this, uh, a prepared coming down out of heaven city, wh- where is it land? So far the tell doesn't text tell us, isn't that interesting? We'll be spending some more time on it here in the next time. Also another question, a new heaven, a new earth, a new city, are these three places, two places, or one place? Not the conversation now, but just ponder that. Verses 1 and 2 picks up from chapter 20. First heaven and first earth are gone, or at least that's, that's the concept that's being told. Uh, verses 1 and 2 here now informs us that, that don't worry, uh, they're coming back, if you will. They're new. It's new, new, new. What's the first word? New. new. Listen, new can be exciting. I mean, it's like new. It's like, if you're wearing new clothes today, don't you feel a little bit more spiffy? Because it's new. If you have a new house, it's like, even if it's an old house, to you it's a new house. It's new. And when you get a new car, remember we got a new car years and years ago, and it was a van, and and, uh, our daughter would do her homework in the van for like two, three weeks because she loved the smell And she would go out there and do her hope because it's new. New is really exciting. But also I want for us to know this. New can also be concerning because it's different. It's unfamiliar. It's not quite the same. And by the way, we're not talking about a car or a house or a job or a school or like a new deer rifle or a new puppy. We're talking about a new eternity place. And that's exciting, but I also say uh, that's not normal. I and mean, Part of what I've been pushed in this week is thinking that if it's new, I have a hard time thinking what this new could be like. Stop making this the basis for what could be new. Just maybe these next couple of weeks, think that through. New. A new eternity place for those redeemed in Christ And by the way, it is matter because those in Christ, this is your eternity place that the Lord is preparing for us. First word, new. Second word is what? With, with. Verse three, and I heard what kind of a voice? A loud voice in the Greek, a mega voice. We've heard a loud voice throughout Revelation all the time, from the throne saying, I I do not think, and and most commentators do do not think that this is the Lord speaking, this is God the Father, God the Son speaking, but this is from, does not necessarily mean from off the seed of, it can be from that direction of, most believe this is not, but more of an angel, maybe one of the four living ones. But anyway, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold... Whenever scripture talks about behold, when Jesus says behold, it's like ears up, pay attention. What am I about to say? You maybe have drifted on the other things, but truly, please, listen to what I'm about to say. In, In a loud voice, it's behold. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Let's talk about some things from here. I heard, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, uh, the dwelling place, that word here, uh, 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 skena, it, 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 just the word itself, I think a, a Jew back in the day reading this in the Greek would have this almost instant reflection of Shekinah, the, the, the Shekinah glory. The, the word skena, actually, it means to lodge, to tent, to tabernacle, to Shekinah among And I'll just say with our theme of we're on a bus tour, I'll just say this. Stop the bus. Stop the bus. Hold it here for a minute. Three questions that I have coming out of this verse to build on here. Question number one, who with? Who is doing the withing? Let's just make sure who is doing the withing here. Uh, Answer, it's like a Sunday school class. Hey, who is doing the withing? God. Okay? And it's true. This isn't like Abraham or Moses or or, or John. That would be cool to have him dwell here, any of them. But this is God. This is Theos dwelling here. What a mind blow. And notice, we're not just talking about something short-term. It's saying that this is God's eternal tent tabernacle ring place. And God's eternal tent place Is a with place, not a solitude place. Uh, It's it's who is eternally withing in verse 3? God is. God is withing somewhere, withing someone. Who with? God. Uh, So who, God, is he withing with who? Who with who? All right? The word anthropos, it's anthropology, it's man, it's mankind here. God will, get this, eternally tent himself with mankind. I'm staying with the word as it says it right now. He will tent himself among them, with them, within mankind. God's eternal withing place is with his people. Not separate from, not far from, not out of sight, but with. And by the way, I would say, that is altogether new. That is very altogether new. And you might say, well, in the Old Testament, he tabernacled with, yes, but not like this. Not in this fullness of a way. By the way, it's so cool in the verse because it's kind of like I think God understands that we don't like get it or we aren't blown away enough or we read this and we have questions and so he like triplicates up on himself to make clear. Uh, if, so if you have any doubts about who is this with who, verse 3 makes it threefold clear. He says, Behold, the dwelling tent place of God is with man. Now, that should be enough, but it's like, no, just in case we didn't get that, let's go on. He will tent dwell with them, and they will be his people. Now, I'm really getting the picture, but it's like, let's add a little bit more, and God himself will be with them as their God. There's a duplicating statement here over this. It's like, do you see it? Do you get it? Do you grasp it? Let me just say it one more time, and then one more time. And there's an emphatic reality with them. So who, who with? God is doing this with. And who is he withing with? He is withing with, it says, mankind. And, and by the way, who, who who is the withing with how? How is he withing? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> how with? How is God doing his withing thing that he's noted with mankind here? Because that matters. It's one thing to with, but I got another question. How are you? How, how do you with? How is God withing here? Well, it's really cool here because he gives us some ideas. Uh, first uh, note, verse 3, and they will be his people. Uh, that gives some definition. It's just not like God is like, oh, yeah, whatever, just, oh, you so annoy me. No, these are his peeps. And God himself will be with them, the text tells us, as their God. God's manner of his dwelling is a tent dwelling with his people, not a far off dwelling. He's dwelling with his people, not as enemies, not as random neighbors, not among someone else's peeps. But God is tenting with his peeps. And I'm sure peeps was in the Greek. And he's tenting with his people as their God. Not as their sibling. Not as their coworker, schoolmate. Not as their best bud. Not as their boyfriend. Not as their spouse. He's withing with them as God. As their God. I say stop the bus again. Because this is a massive moment. And I ask this for view. What is your view of God? And what is your view of with God? Okay. At this point in time in redemptive history... We would say, we desire that God's manifest presence would be among us. We understand from Scripture that He is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. And yet also in Scripture, God talks about how He will remove His his blessing. He will remove, even if you will, His presence, although He is everywhere. And yet there's this manifesting. God is not tenting with us right now, okay? God is, let's call it this way, the Godhead is tenting in heaven right now. So somewhere else, right? But yet his presence is here in all reality. And yet there will be coming a day when God in his tenting will will which is unseen will change and God's tenting where's the door? There's the door. And God's tenting will come with us. Now, this is for our grandson, okay? And that's so sad because I'm talking about like this is God's tenting place, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but work with me, all right? Now, think about this. God says that he is going to come and tabernacle with. Now, when you go back to the Old Testament, you take, a, take an idea. If I keep this here with this idea, this is the wrong idea, Because this is really not where God is tenting with his people. God is even, I would say, not even tenting right here with his people. He is not on the fringes. When you go back and you look at the tabernacle and how the whole tabernacle was structured, everyone lived around the tenting place of God. So here's what we're going to do. Pass this down, put it right over in the middle. All right? Welcome to harvest. Okay? (laughs) So God's tenting place is now right down with us in the center of things, not far off. By the way, God-tenting there is new. That is a new reality. Now in this, I ask you this. When you think about this fact and this imagery that is trying to portray what's being told to us here, which, by the way, is going to be a reality, this is not a story. When you think about just with this example here, as I look over Royce's head and I see God's tenting place in the middle with us, This tells you how you view God right now, a little bit about it. Because how do you think about that? There's parts of that that you go, that is really awesome. But let me press a little further, is it? Because who you understand God to be and how he withs with his people, by the way, I would argue not just in the future, but now, matters. In fact, I'm going to toss out here four common ways that uh, people view um, how God tends with his people, if you will, how, God, uh, how we view God. Number one, God as my police chief, the police chief God. I mean, he has his threatening eye on me and is only pleased with me when I don't break his laws. In other words, living with God is about appeasing God. Now the fact that God has made his dwelling place right there, does that annoy and scare the living life out of you? In some ways it should because there's a little bit of truth in each of these. Because it's like, oh my word, God's like right in the middle, he's watching my back all the time and I can't ever get away. And after all, out of this view comes God as this divine cop who's watching everything I do, just waiting for the moment that I mess up. And when I mess up, time out. Because I'm mad at you. Question, is that how you view God? And by the way, don't be too easy on yourself. Because a lot of churching, and a lot of teaching, and a lot of preaching, which it is very easy to do, comes across like, God is copping over you, and when you move wrong, he's the kind of God that does with to where it's like, oh, you irritate me. Number two, God is my math professor. My math professor God. It's this idea that he has all the formulas of life, and he's pleased with me when I figure out his formulas. It's like he's really smart, crazy smart, and he's got all the answers. And if I could just figure the formulas from him, and then apply the formulas that God has, everything will be good. It's living with God is about implementing his five steps to an A plus life. How do you have a good marriage? Here's the five steps. How do you walk with God? Well, everybody knows you're supposed to pray sometime in the day and you're supposed to read his Bible in the day. And, you know, there's five things you're supposed to do every day that validates that you love God. I get happy when I just do what God says and I implement his formula. The fact of the matter is, like with number one, uh, God does show his anger sometimes and God does not like sin. And here with number two, the fact of the matter, James chapter one, God says, when you do what's right, you will be blessed. But when I see God that way, that shapes how I view God. Here's a third one, the let's make a deal God. He has all the goodies behind the curtains and and, and, and all the goodies that I want, by the way, and when I play the game just right, I get his prizes, like health, wealth, and ease. Living with God is ultimately about getting from God. If it's like the fact that God is there, and it's like, yes, that means I get... Who's the center of the equation? Not God, me. And sometimes this is what happens even with this conversation about what heaven looks like. When the place, it's like, oh, it's going to be so awesome because then I'm going to be able to... True. But God is not just God as our genie God, as our let's make a deal God. A fourth one that oftentimes happens, and I've been all of these in my life, by the way. Is uh, God is my admiral and general God, who is pleased with me when I complete his missions. God, are you pleased with me? Yes, because you completed my mission for you. Really? There is truth to that. There is a great commission mission. And it's like, yeah, God, because I told a thousand people about you, and I, uh, Lord, I, I did this, and I accomplished this, and I went to the nations. This God, you must be really happy with me, because that's obviously what pleases you when I fulfill the mission goals that you've put for me. Listen, God is not your boss. He's not an admiral general that has been put in a plan and, and, and is only pleased when we accomplishes his assignment. Here, how about this one? I'm going to throw in this one that's been working me and my wife and our small group over as we've been working through this. How about this? Life with God is about treasuring God. All of the others come out of this place of, of man-centeredness and I would argue fear. Instead, it's this thing where God is, wants us to, listen, God wants us to treasure him. The fact of bringing this tent out and putting it in the middle, ultimately, I'm not there yet, but ultimately in it, it's like, yeah, oh my word, can you believe this? We get to be with God. I mean, seriously, like, no, tell me what we're going to do in heaven. Oh, boom. Can I say this? Who cares? Because we're going to be with God. And all the visitors are like, dude. I'm but listen to me. What's heaven going to look like? And how's it going to work? And you know, are we just going to like sit in a church service the whole time? Hey, listen, I'm a pastor. I'm a teaching pastor. I hope not. <laughs> but know this. Those who are in Christ and are with Christ for eternity, you get to be with the Godhead Amen. forever. Amen. But what are we going to eat? no. <laughs> with the godhead is my puppy is with the godhead forever and that and world reality should be residing and showing us in this now world reality why do i say that listen to some passages I'm not used to jumping around. <laughs> Oxygen. Okay. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> I'm so out of shape. Genesis 1 And God saw everything that He made in bold, it was very good. When God makes things, it's unfathomably good. But listen to what He desires with what He made. Exodus 25, 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. I mean, God wants to dwell in his people's midst. Exodus 29, 45 to 46. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Know that. Who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. Not the police chief God, not the math prof God, not the let's make a deal God, not the admiral and general God. The I want to be with you, God. Leviticus twenty six twelve, everybody's favorite book of the Bible and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. 1 Kings 6.13 And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Ezekiel 37.27 My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God They shall be my people. Zechariah 2, 10 and 11. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I come, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in your midst. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1 verse 39, And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying. And this was before some of the disciples were his disciples. And they stayed with him that day. Verse 43, John chapter 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Stay far behind me. No. You can follow within a distance, but never address me. No. What did he say? He said, follow me. There is this clear idea that that God and the incarnate Christ desire to, to be with. Oh, and then John 10. If I can read it. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. You do not earn eternal life. God gives it. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Listen, life with God is about treasuring with Him. We need to put away the to-do list. Did I have my quiet time today? Check. Did I pray at breakfast? Check. Did I go to church this week? Check. And by adding all those up, we think that all of those mean with God. And God is like, really? Really? That is so not what I'm looking for. Just be with me. And by the way, those are ways that we are with him. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Like what? Like he will wipe away. He will erase every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. Why? Because there's a new eternal with. Listen friends, it's kind of like kind of like John's like, let me try and describe to you what ha- the, the, the new eternal heaven is like. Only way I can tell you is about really all the bad things gone. It's so interesting because it's like we can't even understand how awesome it's going to be. And we get in these things where we wonder about am I going to see, what am I going to wear, am I going to have six pack abs, am I going to have this, and it's just like I get it. I vote six-pack abs. (laughs) And more hair. But maybe, maybe God is bald. Sorry. Verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Let's just say, God the Father said. Behold, I am making all things new. And he didn't stop there. Also, he said, by the way, John, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And some of us need to know that. Because it's like, listen, is this just all some kind of pipe dream? I mean, you guys really irritate me with this, this, this kind of God thing. No, and it's like, God's like, no, no, no. Some people just need to hear this right now. Everything that's been said is trustworthy and true. Not because I'm saying it, not because you think it, but because the Father says it. Write it down as trustworthy and true. Verse 6, and just get the flow of this. And he said to me, it is done done. By the way, over in chapter 17, I believe the same thing is said. It is done. That was referring to the judgments. The judgments are done. And this is really important here because it's like, listen, right now as everything is, it's just done. Sea beast, land beast, the dragon Satan, the the, the death in Hades, uh, the unredeemed, who have not repented and come to Christ, listen, all been taken care, it's done. And everything we're talking about is faithful and true, and we're now, this is talking about, it's done, what is new and future, that's it. Done. It's not the same words, but it also sounds a lot like Christ on the cross. It is finished. It is done. And then to clarify that, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Because a question can come out of when he says, it is done. It's like, well, who are you to say that? <laughs> Let me make sure you understand. It is done because I'm the one, the beginning and the end one. And I, he, the Godhead, when they say it's done, it's done. Okay? It's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Let's finish with this. Because part of the thing that I left earlier was, on purpose, was up above, God says that his dwelling place is going to be with, and the word is man, and the word is mankind, humankind, it's anthropos, it's, it's not talking about, it. and it didn't say his anthropos, it just said with mankind. So if you read this, a potential question that could come up is, wait, 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 wait. is he saying with all men then? And so he clarifies again. By the way, I appreciate God's desire to clarify because he knows that people like us are going to be reading this now and even back in the first century. And just so you understand, there are those that will be with him and that there are those that will be without him. And it's like just one last time in the movement of the scripture, it's like God is like, I just want to make sure you understand this. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's free. Those who thirst for, for there's more than this, We just live and die. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, but just everyone goes to heaven, based on what? And here he's laying it out to the thirsty, those who have a thirst. Listen, us, us on the in the west portion of the world, we do not understand thirst like people back in the first century who lived in the desert areas understood thirst. We get thirsty. I mean, you're not that far from water. But no, when they were thirsty, sometimes it was like they were a long ways from water. To the thirsty, I will come the springs of life from it, and he. Two words, thirsty and conqueror, verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, I will be her God, and he, she will be my son, will be my daughter. By the way, you have to take that in the flow of Revelation where we've come. Thirsty conquerors. Those that have thirsted and those that are pressing ahead. Does that describe you? Does that describe you? Or is this this thirst thing that it's like, yep, you know, I I did my little religious ditty way back when, and, you know, God, whatever, wherever, however, whatever, cool ever. I just have to lovingly say this. That is so Mark chapter 4, second and third soil. There has been throughout in in the book of Revelation, throughout the scriptures, this idea that those who come to Christ persevere in Christ. And you just heard from the Tuttles, from Nick. He's like, I'm done with this apathy. Listen, there, 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 there's no conquering reality in his life. And he's like, that hasn't been real for me. I got to be done with that. Thirst doesn't mean like taking a drink and then nothing after that. Thirst means like taking a drink and as you've already heard, driving a stake in the ground with Jesus Christ and life looks different, is different, is seen different, lasts different, and by the way, has an eternal difference. That's with Christ, and then the text also says, finishes here, verse 8. But as for the, wow, this is really hard, but you've got to understand this in light of what the book of Revelation we've been through. But as for the cowardly, the word has this idea of as for the timid. But as for the cowardly, as for the timid, as for the faithless, in other words, those that are unbelieving, as for the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars... Uh, By the way, there's going to be a whole lot of those people in heaven for eternity. Those ones that have repented and come to Christ. And their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is a second death. Oh, oh, you you don't want to be there. You you don't want to be there. And the Lord in his love and his grace lays it out, telling us, What it requires. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And children of God are made new. And children of God do life with God. Let's pray. Um, just as we're closing, I just say uh, knowing the end world matters in the now world. It matters. Friends, there is an eternal with that's coming that is also to be lived with now. The Lord wants to do relationship with you as your God. So I leave with this thought. With the Lord is to treasure the Lord. I fear that I and we so easily get Phariseed up. We think it's about doing certain things. And it is. But the center of it all comes to this idea that the Lord wants to be treasured by you. Increasingly so. Can we just as a faith family press towards more of that? Lord, we want to know what it is and learn what it is to treasure you more. I don't stand here and act like I know it. Because the reality is the treasure of you never ends. (laughs) It's just the more we dig into the treasure of who you are, the more treasure we find. And God, the fact of a people that treasure you and to to, to know you and to be with you, that's what gives you glory. And God, I would just pray, would you do a work if there's anyone in here in this room this morning that is just here like, I I really don't know where I'm at with the Lord. Listen, friend, I would just say, that's not the place you want to be. You want to be with the Lord. We would love to help you on your journey. Someone you came with. And if that's you, please ask. And join the bus. Because this church is about a group of people that are on a journey seeking to understand our Lord more. That we would treasure Him more. Right, church? Church? A bunch of imperfect people redeemed by the work of the Lamb, treasuring the Lord more. Oh, Lord, help us to be that. Help us to do that. In your precious name we pray. Amen.